Welcome to the Riot Podcast, where we have practical discussions on how to share your faith, see the news from God's eyes, and answer some of faith's hardest questions. Welcome to the Riot Podcast. This is Bob Schoenemann alongside Pete Mac Daddy Robertson. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so happy to be here. It, I'm happy to be here today. Man, it was nice to get to get to just talk with you this morning, Pete. Yeah, I enjoy yeah. our time together. It was awesome. Yeah. Got back from a trip on Sunday Ooh. night. I'm still trying to catch up, though. Yeah, man, you went for a while. You were like you were gone what, 10 for days? 10, 11 days, I think. 11 days. What did you do? Um, hung out with the in-laws and I, I bowled a couple of professional tournaments. Yeah. That went well. Um, I still want to win. I mean, honestly, I, I'm just there because I want to win, but it's fun to compete again, Pete. It's been years since I've been able to compete. My body's feeling better and did you guys it was just so that? much he goes, fun. He just goes like, oh, I rolled a couple of professional tournaments. <laughs> We have a professional bowler in the house, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so you, so your first tournament, you did well. Yep, yep. You, you, you were, I qualified you made money. fifth. Yeah, and ended up finishing fifth. So yeah. it made the cut to the next day. And then how did you do in Charlotte? Um, Charlotte, I cashed, but didn't make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Yep. But this so, being so cash is good. Ca- yeah, cash is always good. And then now you're ranked 37th in the nation. No, in the region. In, in the, the region. region. Yeah. And then what are you in the nation? I don't know. What are you on know. the money list? I don't know. <laughs> so about the, about the same. No, there's points. You get oh, points, points based on how many people were in the tournament, where you, and where you finished. So I so the first tournament, Bob um, posts this post about how he did or what he's doing. And I'm reading it, and it felt like I was reading a different language. And so he was saying all these things. <laughs> And I literally like I, I see his people like making posts and stuff. And I was like, how many of these people actually know what he's saying? And they're just saying, great job, thinking, assuming that he's doing a good job. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I have no idea what he means. And I wrote, I think I posted, what does this mean? That's good. And then your lovely wife, like brilliantly explained it in layman's terms yep. that I can understand it. And I was like, oh, that was a cool deal. Isn't it funny how like... <laughs> Each sport or I mean, everybody has like their own language. So, I mean, it's still English, but yeah, you have your own language. And you know what? I think we do the same thing at church. We do it all the time. And I think Ooh. it really, I think it like newcomers come into church and we're talking church lingo and it's, it might as well be a foreign language to them. It's like me wow. talking bowling to you. So I think we got to be really careful about that in our, in our church life, you know, or what a church life. When people relates come in, to the last two shows we just did. So what you just said, talking yeah. about their language, speaking the language yeah, of the people. Yeah, I think we got to so. be really careful about that. Now with bowling, you know, if you if you know you don't understand it, it's not that big of a deal, right? <laughs> but now that you've gotten this fix in this professional bowling circuit, I Man, mean, that's I got the bowling itch back. You get the itch, right? I do, I do. <laughs> it's 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 fun to compete, and I really, it's you know, it's something we've talked about this in the past. It's like I felt like I was born in a bowling center. Um, it's been part well, of my life. Were. I kind of was. Um, it's been part of my entire life has been, uh, you know, it's been part your of dad. my life. And it's it, my dad was a pro uh, weekend, a weekend warrior. You know, he, he would work. He worked a regular job, but he bowled on weekends and and uh, his dad the same. And then uh, Crystal and I met bowling at Florida State University, which I got the shirt on today. Pete, yeah, you, do. you know what today is? What? It's August. Oh, you know what that means? Yes. College sure. football is almost here. Oh, Are you excited? Back. Who's I your am. team again? USC? I, I mean, college. Yeah, I would say USC. If, 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 if Barry college, was here, he's not here today. But if Barry was here, Liberty. this would be his Liberty opportunity right there. 
and they've been playing good ball the last couple of years. So I had somebody the other day um, I talked to, uh, geez, I haven't talked to him in a while. This is not the Vegas person. It's someone else, but I was talking to them and they just brought up it's like, Oh yeah, I listened to a show. I was like, yeah. I go, what show? And he goes, I have no idea. I said, do you remember what you're talking about? Yeah. You guys are talking about football. <laughs> well, that doesn't <laughs> narrow it down. <laughs> Well, first of all, probably Barry was on the show, so that might narrow it down a little bit. But here, he's not on this show, and we're still talking about football. But I'm excited. Do you do any of the fantasy stuff? And Well, we did last year. Remember that? Did we do it? Oh, yeah. I thought last year was a year we didn't do it. I don't remember. I, I felt like I missed out. Christine you did. did really well. Oh, that's yeah, right. It was a year before we yeah. didn't do anything, and it, it just felt weird going through but a football season. But it's fun season. doing that, paying attention. and That's right. Yeah. Christine kicked our tail last year, and... In the Riot Podcast Fantasy Football League. So if you want to... Never mind. We should do that. <laughs> we should. Now that we're talking about it, we, we should have a Riot that Podcast. That would be so much fun. Every, our listeners we and should. anybody wants to be a part of it. We should. Wow. Well, if they, well, maybe nobody's interested. But if you are interested, go to our Facebook page and tell us that you're interested in, in fantasy football. The Riot Podcast. Maybe we'll set that up. That could be a lot of fun. Yeah, but you guys know, you guys, anyone that's listened to us for a long time, you know that we love sports. And so... Yeah. It's fun. It's just part of our DNA. It's fun. So you're going through kind of a sport of, well, it's not really a sport. You're talking about moving? You're moving. Yeah. <laughs> that is a sport. We've been moving little bit by little each over the last week. And uh, we're doing it to save our bodies. Because, I mean, if you move all at once, oh, man, it just kills it's your body. It's the worst. I hate moving. And then anything that's heavy, we hired movers. So they're going to come in and do all the heavy stuff. So the home of the Riot podcast is moving. Yeah, but staying in the same zip code. We actually have a, we got a studio that's actually really nice. And so I can't wait till we get in. I like it. It's going to, it's next really week? cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll be in the next, we'll week? In the next week. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So what else is going on? Oh, a lot, but you know, we don't have time to talk about that. We have all the time <laughs> in the world. Life is going well. Life is going yeah, well. Yeah. We are. I, I, I woke up this morning. And I just sat there and I just, I just craved Jesus. And as I sat there, I just started worshiping him. And, uh, and I tell you what, it's, I cannot imagine life without God as my everything. And so I just sat there and I just started praising him and worshiping him. And I just felt built up and, uh, just had a really good quiet time, good prayer time, and just, uh, reading his word this morning, allowing it to come in life and, you know, and then preparing for today. But, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, you, we can have every circumstance, every problem, everything that happens in our life, all kinds of unknowns, you know, the world's out of in chaos. And I mean, I'm telling you, just so much going on in our world today, but in that quiet time with the Lord, in that time of worship that I had, none of it mattered. All that mattered is I just experienced the love of God and the grace of God. It's absolutely incredible. All right. Well, let's move on with the show. And um, I'm going to open us up in prayer, Pete, if you don't mind. But, yeah. And then we're going to jump back into the book of John. Looking so, forward to it. Yeah. Um, so, Heavenly Father, we just give you this show today. We give you uh, our listeners. Father, we just pray that uh, the words that we speak, the text that we read would just ring true and uh, that we would each and every one of us learn something today from from your word. So, Father, we, uh, we just love you. We thank you for our listeners. We thank you for this time that we have to talk about you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So um, the title of our show today, Pete, is why do we fear the unknown? That's a great question. Why? Why? Yeah. I don't know. We shouldn't, I guess. Well, I hope that we're able to answer it. Right? Man, well, I hope you're able to answer because I was wondering the same thing. 
All right. Anyway, our opening statement today says today we will be reading John 9, 1 through 23, the healing of the blind man. Up until this point in our study of John, we know Jesus performed miracles in order to meet human needs, but he also used miracles as a launching pad for a message of conveying spiritual truth. His miracles were his credentials to prove that he was indeed the Messiah. Matthew eleven fifteen says, the blind receive their sight, and we will see it demonstrated in this chapter. We read that in the United States, somebody goes blind every 20 minutes. That I read just, it. Well, that's crazy. A, yeah, there was another article that said seven minutes, but I didn't know the, the where it's coming from. So I was like, eh, I'm going to go with the 20 minutes. Well, that's but still, that's, three times more often. That's still crazy, though. That, think it's about. crazy. Yeah. The man we will meet today, however, was born blind. He had never seen the beauty of God's creation or the faces of loved ones. When Jesus arrives on the scene, everything changed and the man was made to see. However, that was not the greatest miracle that we will read. We will also see the miracle of God opening this man's heart to the Savior. The easiest way to grasp the message of this chapter is to note the stages in this man's growing understanding of who Jesus is. So so this week, we're going to cover the first two kind of stages, and then next week's show, we'll follow up with those stages. So this week, we're going to cover two of them of, you know, the stages, the progression, we should say, of him moving closer to God. So the first one, he was called, and then he was able to see, and then he, you know, he accepted that, hey, this... Let's read, Bob, let's read John 9, 1 through 12, and let's unpack the first stage. Okay. All right. Got it. Go for it. Got it. Or we're going to be in the ESV version. Yeah. So if if you're not driving, open up your Bibles and uh, read read along with us. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Wow. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. The neighbors and those who had been with him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who, is, who, who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, he is like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, <laughs> I am the man. I am the man. <laughs> that's kind of arrogant. I don't think that's how he meant it. So they said to him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. Mm. The, um, just some of these verses just like pop out. So he said, um, uh, like one of them was, well, now I lost it. It was not uh, that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Okay. So that's a big one. We yeah. got to cover that. That's, yeah. that's something I had to read over and over again. Okay, Lord, what are you saying in that? And the other one says, as long as I am in the world, I'm the light of the world. Having said these yeah. things, he, no, no, that wasn't it. Uh, it's one of our I am statements. So we talked about a few weeks ago, oh, right? Yeah. It was this though. He says, we must work the works of him who sent me while it's day. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. So that was the other thing. I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's kind of dissect that. So we'll kind of get into that. 
But the statement, what statement one here is, is the first stage of growth that we see in this blind man, he was called. So there's probably, I don't know, back in that day, blindness was probably more relevant than today, right? Today we have the eye doctors and we have, you know, glasses and we have all that. Back in the days, they probably didn't have a lot of that. Um, from my study, they had anoint ointments and different things that they put in their eyes to help them. Um, but they didn't actually have, um, you know, anything past that. So anyway, so here's Jesus. There's blind men everywhere, but Jesus stops and he adjusts himself and he calls this blind man. He calls this guy. So before we ever believe in Jesus, he has to call us. And so each one of us are blind at one point. We're going to kind of get into that a lot during this, this take today. But every one of us, before we came to Jesus, we were blind. We did not see him the, what, the way that we're supposed to see him. And so here's this blind man, literally blind, cannot see Jesus, and Jesus calls him. And then, um, so I said, the only means of survival was for this blind to beg for money. And that is what he was doing when Jesus passed by. And it's the kind of the same with us. The, the only way for our survival is just to figure out life, right? Mm. I mean, we're on our own. We got to, we got to, you know, beg, we got to steal, we got to rob, we got to work, we got to do this, we got to whatever we got to do just to live. So if before Jesus, that was our means. But when Jesus came, he then took ownership of all of that. He then took ownership of us. And then now he's our provider. He's our guide. He's our direction. And so that's kind of what I see here. Any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you even wrote it in the statement here. It says, talk about what God, what it looks like to be blind to God. And I, I've been wrestling like with that. I'm like, what, you know, trying to just describe it. I mean, I kind of have a picture in my mind of what that means. And, you know, I, I know I've read in scripture in, in numerous times where it's like people don't see it because they don't have the Holy Spirit inside of them. And to me, that is that the kind of the picture that you're trying to draw there or well, am I, mean, I missing part of it? Well, this guy, so again, you know, people are physically blind and they're spiritually blind. So we know when we read the Bible, it's a spiritual book. Yes. So when we look at everything in the Bible, we have to look at it from a spiritual lenses. Um, and so there's so many people that are blind to the things of God. They're blind to spiritual. We've talked about this many, many times. And that's kind of, you hear people say, well, I, I read the Bible, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. All right. It doesn't, I can't relate to it. And that's kind of, I think what you're talking about a little bit there too, as well. And I think the basis of this is the calling. And so I asked the question, well, God called this blind man, but I'm sure there was other blind men. Now, Remember, John says at the end of the book, he said there's probably volumes upon volumes that right. he doesn't have written in here of all the things we'll that fill God the did. world, right? So that doesn't mean that he didn't touch the other blind, but this is a story that we have. But we do know that God calls some and there's others that he doesn't. We do know that. We do know that, you know, there's for whatever reason, God chooses people to do a work for him. And he chooses, he chose this guy. You know, it made me think of Isaiah 42, 6 and 7. It says, I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open the eyes to the blind, to free captives from prison and release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And so the called are the ones that were sitting in darkness. The called are the ones that were that were blind. They were they were they were in the bondages of the world. And God says, no, he's come, Jesus has come to set all of those people free. And so this blind man is in bondage, okay? Mm -hmm. This blind man is in darkness, literally. 
this bind man has it. And so Jesus is using this again as a stepping stones for a greater picture. And he's not just setting on this. Um, First Corinthians 7, 17 says, nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. So again, God calls you. So if you're listening to this, and uh, you were once blind and now you see, you know, that great, you know, amazing grace song. I was once blind and now I see that God has called you. And so it's a big deal. So I think that's kind of, we don't want to lose that, you know, yes, it's a blind man. Yes. A miracle took place. Yes. He's, he's a good God and he heals, but God also first has to call you. And so this blind man does not give his life to Jesus, does not come into a believing faith in Jesus. If God did not call him mm. period. Yeah, in our show prep, we were talking about other people that were called in the Bible. You know, it just it makes me think of, you know, like even Moses and Saul and, you know, all, and you were talking about Abraham and yeah. just, there's just so many examples yeah. throughout the Bible where this happens. All right, let's continue talking about this man. So no doubt there were, there were many blind people, as, you, as we talked about, who would have rejoiced to be healed, but Jesus selected this man. It appears by the text that this man and his parents were well known in the community. Notice that the healing was done on the Sabbath. <laughs> Jesus likes stirring it up, Pete. Uh, so that once again, Jesus deliberately challenged the religious leaders. How so? <laughs> well, I love this. I mean, and again, it's, you know, the reason why we get this in context is because it talks about the neighbors and the neighbors knew him. And then and it's, it's just kind of like, okay, this person, obviously they know who these people are. Um, so this is not just anybody. So the, the neighborhood knows who they are, but I, I, Jesus was, was always trying to make a point. And the one way that he made a point was on the Sabbath because the, the Jewish leaders believed in, you know, according to their, their Talmud and according to their teachings that, you know, they, there's no work to be done on the Sabbath day. You can't do anything. They had all these laws and all these creeds, you know, you can't do this. You can't do this. Can't do this. And, and here's Jesus kind of poking fun at it and just basically say, what, I can't do good. You know, what, what should I do evil or whatever? And, you know, throughout the whole, you know, book of John, he, this comes up over and over and over again. But one of the things I just want to read real quick, was kind of a note that I wrote. I said, it is important to note that Jesus was not violating the law of God when he healed on the Sabbath. Many people say, well, isn't it a sin? Wasn't he sinning? You know, what, listen, this was man coming up with this rule. This is what, <laughs> this is not what God said. This is the religious rules, right? So let's just get that clear real quick. And Jesus, Jesus didn't sin. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So acting against, this is Jesus acting against the pharisaical interpretation of the law and against their particular rules. Okay. Jesus healed on the Sabbath in order to reveal the hypocrisy of the Pharisees religion. So he's basically showing, he's opened their eyes and saying, listen, what you're doing, it's wrong. It's hypocrisy. You're doing it out of, you know, the workspace versus a, you know, faith base. He also was challenging the religious leaders with the question of doing good of e or evil on the Sabbath. So Mark 3, 4 says, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? So he's basically just challenging them. He's just showing them that, hey, I'm doing good. 
I'm not doing anything to, you know, to fulfill my flesh. I'm bringing glory to God. I'm pointing people to Jesus. And, you know, I'm, how hard is it for me to just say, here, let me, let me put, you know, spit in your eyes. And put blood. <laughs> I mean, it's not doing much. I mean, come on. So, yeah. Any uh, thoughts on that? No, that's good. All right. We're going to talk about the spit in the eyes, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of gross. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In verse two, Jesus's disciples asked if this blind man had sinned. They just jump right to that, right? Yep. They did not look at the man as an object of mercy, but rather as a subject for a theological discussion. It is much easier to discuss an abstract abstract subject like sin than it is to minister to a concrete need in the life of a person. Mm. Wow. Disciples were sure that the man's sin or his parents was the reason for his blindness. Jesus disagreed. Oh, I mean, absolutely. I, you know... It's like we go to immediately we see something happen and we go to the worst a lot, wow. right? Isn't yes. it true? Yeah, all it, the time. All the time. And here's this. That's exactly what the Pharisees. So they had in their mind, they were so religious and they had their belief in exactly what is right and what's wrong. And if anybody did not fit in their mindset, then they were sinning or they were bad. And, and again, I, this is Jesus kind of poking holes and their hypocrisy, you know, and he's just basically saying, listen, you're, you're reading this all wrong. I did not come to, 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 you know, condemn anybody. I've, I've come to heal. I've come to save. I've come to elevate and to love on and to, and to bring and to make whole. Right. And, and so that's how Jesus sees everybody. But these Pharisee leaders are always pointing a finger. You know, remember that one parable where he's talking about the plank in your own eye? Yeah. You have respect. Yep. Well, it's kind of the same thing. They have this huge plank and many of us Christians do as well. We have this huge plank and that we immediately go to judge people and it goes to politics. It goes to everything. We immediately assume what they're going to say and we have no relationship with them. We have no idea and um, we don't see God in any of it and we just immediately go to judge. So I don't know. What's your thoughts? I think that's the key word. I think that's, they use that as a, just a way to, to judge people. Yeah. And I mean, we live in a broken world and God sees like the, the bigger picture, right? So it's, it's like always fall on the side of mercy and grace. Yeah. That's probably a good rule of thumb. It's, it's like, if we can just tell ourselves to fall on the side of mercy and grace, what we're saying is, Hey, listen, Everything in us maybe wants to control this situation, or we want to judge, or we want to cast blame. But what are we doing to ourselves, one? And what are we doing to the person when we do that? And, and when we just show grace and mercy to somebody, we are then saying to ourselves that we trust God with them. We, we trust that the Lord is going to handle this the perfect way. We trust that he knows best. We're just going to show them grace and mercy and love them. And, and let God deal with the other stuff. But when we take ownership of it and we try to control it and we cast judgment, and we judge, not only do we feel like poop, but we make the other person feel that way too, right? Yeah. So I don't know. That's my, my, my take. You know, something that bugs me is you know, the conversation, uh, you're talking to somebody and, and then Jesus, you get, you get Jesus into the conversation and the response is, you know, don't talk to me about religious things or I'm not religious. And it just, it just bugs me. It drives me nuts. I'm like, it just shows that you don't know anything about Jesus because 
Jesus couldn't stand religious people either. <laughs> I mean, he's not, that's a bad way to put it. He loved them dearly, but he, the religious side of it, Jesus is not religious. He's poking holes in, in the religion, even in this story. So I don't know. It just drives me nuts, Pete. People like, you want to talk about Jesus? And they're like, no, I don't do religion. I'm like, no, he doesn't either. That's the whole point. As we say all the time, religion sucks. But again, people, religion is this. Religion is your effort. Religion is something that you have to do to please God. It's, it's your way of working towards your salvation. Jesus is completely opposite of that. Yes. Relationship yes. is you are loving on Jesus. You are spending time with him. He is, then, he is then pouring himself into you. He's loving on you. He's transforming you. He's changing you from the inside out. And in return, you then go and do likewise. That's it. That's relationship. There's no religion involved in that. Nope. And you naturally start doing the things of God because God has transformed you and loved on you because you've allowed him to. Ooh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right. Ultimately, because of the fall of man and Adam's disobedience, sin and death is in the world. But to blame a specific disabled person on a specific sin committed by a specific person or persons is certainly beyond any person's ability or authority. Amen. Only God knows why babies are born with disabilities, and only God can turn those disabilities into something that will bring good to the people, uh, to the people and glory to his name. Yeah, this one bothered me for many, many years. I, I mean, I've wrestled with this. Why did you, Lord, allow this baby to be born in Down syndrome? Or why does this baby have defect? And it really bothered me. And, and, um, I've wrestled with that and I just, I didn't understand it, you know, and I always, and I'm just going to be honest. I thought, well, maybe it was sin, you know, sin of the mom and her dad, you know, maybe there was something that was going on there or something like that. And so, and, and I, and I've come to terms with this finally, but it, for a long time. So this is very common for people to feel this way. Hmm. It's, this is not a like, oh, whatever, but I mean, Jesus completely put that all to rest. You know, and so uh, here's here's my statement on that. So we will never know why God allows babies to be born with disabilities, period. We just won't know. I can't make up a, a reason for it. Right. But I can say this. Jesus said here that it happened so that the work of God might be displayed Amen. in his life. So it God is a sovereign. God is holy. God is good. And, and God is just, and I know that everything to do about him is that he wants to love them. He wants to cherish them and he wants to display himself in their life. And he wants to be himself glory in every aspect of it. And so I know people that have down syndrome, babies and kids, and they say that, man, I would never change that for the, this kid has blessed us beyond anything we can possibly imagine. And he's a blessing everywhere he goes. In fact, we were at the Jeremy camp concert um, last week. And uh, as we were at the Jeremy Camp concert, we're sitting there listening to him. And all of a sudden, Jeremy Camp comes off the stage and he comes down into the audience and we're right there next to him. And he says, man, this guy in the back was just raising his hands and he was just crying out holy. And, and he was just singing to the long. He was, I just want to give him a hug. And we turn around. And it was a, it was a Down syndrome baby and in his wheelchair. And Jeremy just went over there and just hugged on him and just talking to him and doing that. But that's the point. There was, there was a sense of innocence. And so how could you say that, you know, God is not using that kid. Yeah. He just did. He just blessed Jeremy camp and everybody that was sitting there watching it. So anyway, we don't, we never know why, but we can trust that God has a plan and God is in charge. We can trust that. 
anyway. And it's proven here in this scripture. Yeah. I mean, this, this statement really hits home to me, Pete. I mean, you know, you know, my story and we've talked a little bit about it, uh, you know, with, with Samantha, mm-hmm. you know, Crystal and I tried for years to have a, have a kid. And then uh, we have Samantha's born with some birth defects and uh, man, it was, you know, I can tell you I, how many times I go to God, like, you know, why, why is yeah. this happening? Why yeah. is this happening? And uh, it's only made her stronger. It's only made, uh, Crystal and I stronger mm. and she's just a, an amazing light. <laughs> That's <laughs> and, the truth. And, Amen. Uh, I mean, there's God knows what he's doing. I have no idea why, you know, maybe, you know, one day, uh, we'll understand, but, uh, I've come to terms that, uh, man, he's got, he's got plans for this young lady mm-hmm. and, uh, that was all just part of the plan. So no doubt. next one. Okay. Because we all fall short. We know with certainty that both uh, the man and his parents have sinned at some point in their life. We can't we guilty. Have, yeah, we have to, we have yeah. to. So like when you read this, we can't say, well, this man didn't sin, you know, so yeah, that's why we that's can't not say what we're that. Saying. there's no doubt in my mind. These parents sinned. That's okay, right. There's no doubt. Okay. But Jesus did not see their sin, nor did he suggest that God deliberately made the man blind so that years later, Jesus could perform a miracle. Since there is no punctuation in the original manuscripts, we are free to read John 9, 3 through 4 this way. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him whom sent me while it is day. I mean, think about it. So this is kind of what it's saying. So neither is this is what Jesus basically is saying. Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. So listen, people, neither one of them has sinned, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him, God, who sent me while it's day. And so he's he here again. We've talked about this many times on the show. I get up in the morning. I spend time with the father. I'm in fellowship with the father. I'm loving on the father. Now I'm about my day. In my day, there's going to be circumstances. In my day, there's going to be things and obstacles and and whatever that comes across my path. My job is either one, I can make my own agenda and I can go my own way, or I can have eyes to see or ears to hear and be willing to adjust my day according to whatever the father is doing. Hmm. Jesus adjusted his day. The father was doing something here. God, Jesus recognized God is working in this man's life. Now I'm going to be used to bring the father glory. And in this case, he went and he healed this man. And so that's exactly what Jesus is saying. I'm not looking if he sinned or not sinned. What I'm looking to do is please my father. Yeah, that's not the point, right? <laughs> that's that's it, exactly. <laughs> and for you to cast judgment on this guy and say that he sinned or his plan sins is not of God. What your job, Pharisee, is to do is to love me and to love others around you and to bring glory to the Father and do what the Father tells you to do. But no, you're doing what you want to do, and you're doing it according to your way of thinking and not according to what the Father is saying or doing. So good. Yeah. Jeez. And even if it's on the Sabbath. Yeah. Verse six, Jesus spits on the dirt and makes mud. I love it. This method of healing was very unique and different from the previous blind healings. I think Jesus had a sense of humor, though. I think so, too. I mean, he's thinking he's sitting there and he's picking up this mud and it's fair. And he can't see the poor blind man. can't. I was just thinking I was going to say the same thing. But his disciples were like, what are you doing? doing? Is he really doing that? Is he really doing it? I mean, I'm just thinking he's probably looking at them smiling Uh, and stuff. I don't know. I'm just thinking he has a sense of humor. All right. go. Although the blind man does say later that he did. He spit in the mud, didn't he? Well, probably because he told him. Somebody told him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Okay. Anyway, where was I? Oh, Matthew 9. Um, 27 to 31. Thank you. Jesus healed two blind men by touching their eyes with no drama. Yeah, he just touched them. Just their skills fell and boom. Yeah. Well, you know, PD, that makes sense to me. Pete is God. Yeah. He didn't have to touch him either. Right. right. In Mark 8, uh, 22 through 26, he healed another blind man by putting saliva in his eyes. Again, kind of gross. Yeah, let the, me hold on, hold on. Although this is holy saliva. So, I mean, it's perfect saliva. Still gross. Still oh, gross. Lord have mercy. <laughs> Through the healing, though the hearing, man, what is wrong with my voice? Though the healing power was the same, why did Jesus vary his method of healing? Yeah, Bob, why? I, well, you can read our discussion. If well, you yeah. Well, I agree with that. I agree with the discussion notes, but that, that was kind of one of the things I thought of is like, there's no. No routine. There's not a magic, you know, a spell. He didn't go into a spell book, open it up with Harry Potter and say, okay, on page 432, if you mix spit with uh, red clay, you can heal the blind. No, that's not what happened. God healed the eyes. So I, it's not it's not the manner in which he did it. It's the fact that he is who he says he is. It, that's why he, the, 100%, the people were healed. 100%. And it's here's the, the, the point that Jesus is making, too. It's it's we have no power in ourselves, none of no matter what we do. And it doesn't matter what it is. The power only comes from the father. And if the father wills it, the father chooses it and the father is, is separating you to heal somebody or to be healed. It's he gets the glory. It's not anything else that you're doing or any method or, Hey, you know, here's a robe. Let me, let me cut off a piece of my robe and I'll send it to the world or whatever. You know, <laughs> it, it, we don't know. God can use a leaf, right? He can pick up a leaf on a tree and put it in your eyes and do it. Whatever it is, who knows? We just know that God does. And then he's the author. Just be thankful. It wasn't camel dung, right? I mean, it could have been worse, but people get so caught up and into this. I know. I know. They this do. is like their thing. It's like, Oh, you know, this is the only thing that's going to heal you. No people. No <laughs> snake oil. God can use anything. God can do anything. However he wants. Just know that it's him that heals. No more, no more, nothing else. No material, nothing. All right. Well, maybe he was trying to teach us something. So let's dig into that yeah, a little deeper. So why did Jesus use clay this time to heal the blind man? Question. <laughs> we could think of two reasons. First, it was a picture of the incarnation. Yep. God made the first man out of dust. That's a great picture. Yep. And God sent his son as the real man so the world could see. Yep. I love that. The second reason may be it was irritation yep. to encourage the man to believe and obey. If you ever have had eye irritation, you know what we're talking about. You quickly seek to rinse your eyes and remove the irritation. I can't imagine what clay in your eye must feel right. like. Well, actually, I can't. I played baseball. Right. You might compare the irritation to the convicting work of the Holy Spirit as he uses God's law to bring the lost sinner under judgment. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, I, I Rick Warren said, God has a purpose behind every problem. He uses circumstances to develop our character. In fact, he depends more on circumstances to make us like Jesus than he depends on us reading the Bible. <laughs> so, so here is, so here is God causing an irritation. You know, if we are chosen and set apart for him, okay, we are not polished when we first come to Jesus. We are, we are a, Wait, uh, we're not made perfect. Oh no. We're a ragged bunch of people. We have a bunch of bad habits. We have a, a lifestyle that we've been living before Christ that's been contrary to his perfect will. We have just uh, choices. We have decisions. We have ha uh, bad 
ways of doing things, habits, I was going to say again. And so in order for us to fully know Jesus, we have to allow him to have his way with us so that we can have a, for a better relationship with him. Because what happens is we do things on ourselves and Jesus says, I don't want you to do things on yourself. I want you to trust me to do the things. And we constantly keep doing it and we keep making money. So here in this case, he's like, Jesus is basically telling this guy, hey, listen, I'm going to do this, but I want you to be able to see this circumstance happen in your life so that you can now draw closer to me. Hmm. And if you continue to do it your way, then you're never going to see. But if you continue to let me have my way in your life, then you will see more and more clearly. So I always look at every, so every major circumstance that's happened in my life. I mean, I've had a lot. I'm sure you have as well. At the very end of it, I always see better. I always see things. I see the Bible better. I see the, the words come off the page better. I see people. I love people more. I actually, you know, I have more gentle in me. I'm, my words are a little bit more kinder. Um, you know, I'm still a long ways away, but every, every major circumstance or trial that I've been through, that's what's happened. So thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, and James, he talks about it, just refining us, you know, and, and as you're talking about, you know, the imperfect people, it just reminds me of the, of the terms justification and, and sanctification. Yeah. He's still working in us. Oh, we're yeah. not perfect. I mean, it, it would be kind of boring, I guess, but if we were perfect. Why would he need to leave us here? Right. But he's so, got work to do in us. So before the fall. So here's the God's grand plan. Here we ready? go. Here's God's grand ready. plan. Before the fall, we had fellowship with God and oneness with God. After the fall, yeah. God's whole desire was to is have fellowship with people. He wanted to make them holy. So everything from the Bible from in Genesis to Revelation is talking about sanctification. Yep. He pursued people. He wanted people to be set apart for him. He wanted to love on them. He wanted them to be holy, to worship him. That's it. There's your Bible, people. That's his desire. That's yeah. everything that happened. So it's always been about sanctification. It's Good. always been about fellowship with him. All right. Good stuff. Yeah. In verse nine, there was a problem of, of identification. They questioned if it really was the blind beggar and what caused him to see. Throughout the rest of John, a growing conflict takes place around these two questions. The religious leaders did not want to face the fact that Jesus had healed the man or even that the man had been healed. They asked for him. They asked him four times. Were you healed? That's just hilarious to me. Right. Wait, the guy's seeing. Hey, were you healed? The guy's seeing it. Wait, wait, were you healed? It's like, dude, <laughs> I could tell that your robe's purple and gold or whatever else that's going on. Yeah, go on. They interrogated him and even called his parents to testify. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm like picturing that. Their goal was to get rid of the evidence and the people were afraid to speak the truth. Man, this is so true even today. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So I, I just, my, in my notes, I just said they were all asking the wrong questions. They should not ask how, but who healed him. Nice. We are prone to always ask how. We want to understand the mechanics of a miracle instead of simply trusting the Savior. Ooh. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's a comic, it's comical. Um, and and they're sad mind, at the same time. Yeah. And their mind's like, oh no, this was happening on the Sabbath. Okay. We have to condemn this guy. Who cares that you're healed? Who cares that you're better? <laughs> wait, we have to condemn. We have to find a way. Okay. Wait, how did you get healed? What happened again? Uh, where, did they, where did he do it at? You know, what is that whole method? And they missed the miracle. And it's just like this poor guy sitting like, hello, my life has been changed. <laughs> The Messiah himself oh, has touched me. But you're worried about what day it is. Oh, yeah. Lord have mercy. Oh, I mean, we are so life, broken. We, we, if we get fixated on how things are supposed to be, 
It's like, how many of us have this thing? I have to do this. I have to do a hundred pushups in a day. And if you only get 55, oh my gosh, I'm the worst person in the world. Anyway, I don't know why I use that. But the point of it is, if there's something that you put in and you don't achieve it, or you can't, you miss everything else around you. I'm so busy. I got to get to there. I got to do that. You don't see what Jesus is doing around you. You miss it. They're missing it. They had one thing on their mind and they completely missed the miracle in front of them. Yep. All right. And we do the same. All the time. The blind man told them about his experience and about the man named Jesus and what he did. The blind man was ignorant of Jesus' identity. And at this point, he was healed. He could see, but he wasn't saved. Nope. In the following verses, 13 through 23, something changed within the man. So people automatically, when they read this, I think it's easy to assume that, oh, he was he he was saved. Well, no, that's not the case. And what we're going to see as we journey through this this week and next week is that he he wasn't saved. And so it's a process, just like our own lives. So we we God calls us and we see that, okay, we believe in him. And then slowly over time, we become more and more intimate with Jesus. We mm. become more and more aware that he is God of the universe. So that's kind of what's happening. All right, go on. Excellent. Let's jump back into the word. So right. we're still in John 9, now okay. verse 13. All right. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was it was a Sabbath. It was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and washed it. And I see some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. There's your religion. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Better question. And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, what do you say about him? Since he has opened your eyes, he said he is a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, is this your son (laughs) who you say was who you say they even changed that, right? Who you say was born blind. How then does he see his parents answered? We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but how How he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Hmm. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. So, the truth when you see the truth, it's simple. And if you're ever complicating things, if you're making things more complicated than it needs to be, then maybe it's not right. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is very basic here. Okay. The, the man was blind and the man sees, and these Pharisees, everybody, they're trying to, you know, get Jesus on this Sabbath day thing. And they're just like overly complicating it. And they're like, okay, we got to inquire in minds and da, 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 da. we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this and make sure da, 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 and all this stuff. And, and it's like, dude, the guy is right there in front of you and the guy is seeing, okay. All the only thing that happened is the guy touched the, he put mud in his eyes and he healed me. And I went to Shalom and now I see, that's all I know. It's that basic. And when truth hits you, it confirms in your heart is like, okay, this is true. Just let it go. Let it go. You don't have to complicate this. It is what it is. But since the man was born blind, the miracle was even greater for blindness caused by sickness or injury might suddenly go away. 
but and the miracle performed on the Sabbath gave the Pharisees great concern. In their eyes, this was illegal. Oh my gosh. <laughs> they should have been praising God for the miracle, Amen. but instead they sought evidence to prosecute him. So I just, I mean, that's it. I mean, we, it, this happens. Listen, we don't have the right stories now, but I mean, we can go on and on and on. This happens all the time in our own lives. We come, we, we come to the reality of truth and we don't want it to be true. We want something else because we want something else. And so we're trying to justify it. We're trying to make, oh no, that's probably not the reason for it. Or, or, you know, there's something else. And Jesus is that, listen, dude, it is what it is. Adjust your life, accept it, move on. You don't have to complicate this. So when people refuse to face evidence honestly, but in fear evade the issue, then it's impossible to come to a united conclusion. We see this all the time. All the time, especially in politics. And majorly in politics. Hey, you know what I noticed? What? In verse 15. What? He didn't say that uh, Jesus spit. He just said he put mud in my eyes. Yeah. So he didn't know until just now. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, he maybe he just went to the water hole. He didn't realize he spit. Uh, sorry, side yeah. note. Yeah, people says, well, the only way to be healed is you have to have Jesus' spit. Yeah. Nobody else's spit will work. <laughs> oh, my gosh. People, Please stop. stop. You're missing the miracle. Oh. All right. Jesus was the cause of the division, and the religious leaders were judging on the basis of one thing. Nobody who breaks the Sabbath could possibly be a true prophet of God. They were, the, they were one-issue thinkers. You know anybody like that, Pete? Oh, yeah. Not unlike other religious people today. Yeah, they never realized that Jesus was offering the people something greater than the Sabbath, the true spiritual rest that comes from God. They just completely missed that. Yeah, they but, missed yeah, everything but, else. Yeah, but the Sabbath, Pete. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. It's it's like, you know, we have, again, it goes back to our agenda. We have our agenda. We have our beliefs. We have our way. And we don't know the truth. And so when we know the truth, meaning Jesus, okay, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth. When we know Jesus and we know the word of God, what happens is we see the world completely different and, and our agenda is no longer valid. It's now God's agenda. Our way of doing things is no longer the way. It's what God wants us to do. And so we just give an, gave illustrations on this. And so in the religious leaders or any religious person, is you have to do five Hail Marys, or you have to come to church four days, you have to work, you have to read your Bible five days a week, and you have to pray, and you have to do this, 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 and, have to do this. and if you don't do any of this, then you're not holy, and you're not good, <laughs> and, and Jesus is saying, and then if we don't do that, then they condemn you, you know, oh, you're not doing that, then we're, you're condemning, and it's completely religion, and it's completely not of God, and there's no relationship there, yep. and, and if Jesus truly is the Lord of your life, then, then there's a freedom there, Okay, there's a gentleness there. There's a love there. There's there's no condemnation. There's no weight. There's no fuss. None of that. It's just it's peace. It's good. It's joyful. And if you don't have that in your relationship, then you're working in religion. If you are depressed, if you're burdened, if you're beating up on other people because they're not doing that and not loving them the way that Jesus did, then you're just like these Pharisees. Yeah. You're completely missing the miracles around you. You're completely missing what God's doing because you have your own agenda. You have your own way. And so that's what's happening. I don't know. Any thoughts? Yeah, let's move on. All right. That's my thought. Notice that the beggar was not intimidated <laughs> by the threats of the Pharisees. When asked who he thought Jesus was, he boldly told them that he was a prophet. In the Old Testament, some of the prophets did miracles like Moses, Elijah, and Elijah. 
the the Jewish people would look on their prophets as men of God who could do wonderful things by the power of God, but apparently not on the Sabbath. Right. The religious leaders quickly shot this down and said, this man is not of God. Jeez. They knew they were in trouble and they did their best to hide the truth. Well, I mean, how many times does that happen just on our own life or in other people's life? You get backed in the corner, basically and say, here's the truth. And they're like, uh, you know, and especially in politics, they're, they can't answer it. Yeah. There's, they can't come to terms with it. It is the truth is the truth. There's no way around it. Now you can make things up. You can come up with other false lies or whatever yeah. else, fake news, but the truth is the truth. You can't deny that. Well, that's when you start name calling and you get angry and that's what happens when you can't, when, whenever there's when anger, the truth, yeah. when the truth is contradict, you know, contradicting your worldview or, or just, you know, what you think's going on. That's usually the response. If you find yourself getting angry yep. or defensive yep. there, that's a warning sign. That's a red flag. Oh yeah. Especially with your spouses. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come on, you don't, there's no point in that. No, you know, just let it go. But here, let me just, let me, I have this, this point. So the blind men eyes were open to see Jesus words were true. He was healed. Okay. So he saw that he's like, okay, there's something more to this. Dwight L. Moody says, when we find a man meditating on the words of God, my friends, the man is full of boldness and is successful. Hmm. This man that was blind became bold. Here he is now entering into these Pharisees when they, he knows farewell what they're doing. He knows they're trying to condemn Jesus. He knows that they're bringing pressure upon the parents. He knows that they're coming down on him. And he's like, nah, dude, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine who this guy is, but he is not normal. And he taught, I was blind and now I see. So he must be a prophet, period. He must be something higher than anything that we are here. He's anointed by God. He's set apart by God. He's used by God. And, and you could say he's evil and you could say he has a demon and you could say he's doing wrong. All I know is good was brought to me today. And he proclaims it with boldness. And he does that's, it with boldness. That's so cool. Yeah. All right. Proverbs 9.25 says that the fear of man brings a snare. The Pharisees were trying to trap Jesus and the parents were trying to avoid a trap, but they were only ensnaring themselves. If we cannot accept Jesus as God, when something new comes into our lives, we too might be ensnared by fear. We can easily miss what God is doing around us and only focus on the fear of the unknown man. Yeah. Guilty. I mean, Guilty. I've done that. Well, here's a perfect example. And I don't know why it just popped in my head, but I, last week or a few days ago, I saw this, this girl had pink hair, uh, gazillion earrings all over her face and tattoos and everything else. And I just like immediately went to judge her in a way. And I, and I basically said, man, she must be really hurting in her life. You know, she's really seeking. And, and this is what came into my brain. And, and immediately I thought to myself, well, I don't know her at all. I don't know her story and I'm already casting judgment on her and I don't know anything about her. I don't know what she's been through. I don't know why she chose to do what she did. It looked funny to me. It didn't make sense to me. It yeah. was unknown to me, but I immediately was doing that. So what God wants us to do is what I should have done is prayed for her say, God bless her anoint her, fill her. And then if I had the opportunity, I should just at least have a relationship or have a conversation with her to get to know her. And, and not cast judgment. It was just, you know, the Bible tells us that we are to capture those thoughts and to surrender them to God. <laughs> Don't meditate on those thoughts. Don't allow those thoughts to materialize in your mind because we just don't know. That's what they're doing here. They're, they're casting judgment and they're not capturing their thoughts, not surrendering to God. They have no idea and they're automatically coming 
to the they're they're and they're fearful. They're just freaked out. So immediately when when you see people like that, especially big guys or whatever, and they look hardened criminals or whatever, you get fearful. I mean, just be honest. Sure. Or or if something happens in your life that you're like, oh my gosh, I lost my job. It's the end of the world. I have no idea how I'm gonna live. I have no idea I'm gonna. You're fearful. There's when circumstances or things happen that you do not understand or it's unknown to you. There's a level of fear that happens. Rick Warren said, fear is self-imposed prison that will keep you from becoming what God intends for you to be. You must move against it in the weapons of faith and love, with wow. weapons of faith and love. That's really good. So it's the same thing with anything else. So with this lady, the unknown to me, there was like, whoa, there's something wrong. I could have moved against it with weapons of faith and love. I could have prayed for her immediately, captured my thought and not cast judgment on her. I could have loved her. If the opportunity came, I could have just said, hey, you know, what's your name? Or tell me about those earrings. That's pretty cool. You know, whatever it is, right? Encourage the person, build a relationship, get to know them if God allows that. Or if it's a circumstance in my life that's not good, then I would just say, God, I give it to you and I trust you. And I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to draw closer to you. I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to know that you're going to work everything together. I don't know. Thoughts? Last thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I, I do that all the time, unfortunately. Yeah. You just judge people. And I like that, that what you said there, just what's their story, man. If you yeah. get the opportunity or God opens up an opportunity to ask them what their story is, Get them, people like to talk about themselves. And, and then that builds up that trust, which goes back to our last couple of podcasts, right? You kind of build up that trust and then, you know, God may open up that opportunity to, to share the gospel. So every one instead of, of trying to beat people over the head with it, right? Every one of us have are, are seeking for answers the same way. We're all trying to figure out our way in life. We're all trying to find, figure out what is our purpose? What is the reason why we live? How do we respond? Whatever that is, every one of us, some of us just look differently than others, but we're all the same inside. We all are desperate for Jesus. We're all desperate for his goodness and his love. And he created us that way. And so if he created us with what eternity in our hearts, right? He created us with that, that whole mindset. And, you know, there's many people that might've listened to us today that have never given their life to the Lord. And maybe this pricked your heart and maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, you know what? I want to know Jesus. I want to love people the way that Jesus loved them. I want to not cast judgment. You know, I don't want to be fearful. I don't want to, you know, go through problems and circumstances without, you know, having the love of God in my life, you know, and in today's, today's, you know, whole message was why do we fear the unknown? Well, we fear the unknown because we are completely living our lives for ourselves. We are not living our lives for Jesus. And when you're living your life for yourself, all you know is what yourself knows. It's what you've studied. It's what you've done. It's what you've understand. But when you know the author and finisher of the life, when you know Jesus personally, we no longer fear the unknown. We no longer have to fear because we know that the Bible says that God goes before me. And if God goes before me, the Bible says nothing can be against you. And so we can know and rest and trust that the Lord is in control, that Jesus has paid the price, the ultimate price, so that we can have salvation for all eternity, that we can live with him in fellowship, that he is, the, he is our, our great provider, he is our peace, he is our joy, he is our vision when we need it, he is our wisdom, he is our strength, everything. So we never have to fear the unknown. We never have to uh, go in life not understanding 
what's next, because we know that Jesus already knows it. And so we can have peace there. So if you're listening to this and you want to give your life to the Lord, you've never done that and you want all that Jesus has to offer, you can do that today. All you got to do is you just got to confess that you're a sinner. You just got to say in your heart, I, I, Lord, I confess that I have sinned. I have confessed that I've lived my life my way and I repent of that sin. And I want to choose to live my life according to you. I want a relationship with you. I want you to transform my life. And then you have to believe. You have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again on the third day. I mean, you can confess your sin, but to Allah, or you confess your sin to, to, to Buddha or wherever other God that you have, but if you, but uh, that doesn't save you. What saves you is that you believe in Jesus Christ. You put all of your hope into him. You believe in his son. And then you go and confess it. You confess it to the world. Don't just hold it in. Don't just say, hey, I believe. Says the Bible says, if you, if you, if you deny me before man, and I will also deny you before God in heaven. But if you confess me before man here on earth, I will confess you before God in heaven. And so if you've given your life to the Lord, repent of your sins. You need to believe in Jesus Christ, and then you need to confess it to the world. Go share it with other people. And uh, if that's you and you did that, just pray that in your heart. Just say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I, I pray, I confess now that, that you are God, that you are the, the one and only um, G, uh, Savior of the world, that you died on the cross and rose again. And uh, I put my trust in you today. And I believe in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. And it's that simple. It's, it's not rocket science here. You are just in your heart saying, I yield to Jesus. Hmm. And the Bible says, if that is you, the, all the angels in heaven are now rejoicing. Amen. And, uh, and God, we are celebrating with you. And we'd love to hear from you. Bob, how could we hear from them? Yeah, first of all, if, this, if that's you, go to our website, riotpodcast.co.co, and then go to the, the Know God tab. So if you if you want, you just haven't, you've got questions or, you know, you just want to know more information, there's a lot of great stuff for you right there. Kind of describe uh, what Pete just walked you through, um, spells it out for you right there. So again, go to riotpodcast.co, and then go to the Know God tab, and and then, uh, man, reach out to us and let us know that you've made this decision this decision as well. And then go to our social media sites, The Riot Podcast, um, at uh, especially at Facebook. You can go in there and comment. Um, you know, let us know there. Do us a favor and share um, that that page with some folks that uh, that you're friends with. Um, that's the best way to get kind of get the word out about the Riot Podcast is just you guys. You guys share it, sharing it with your friends is just an amazing uh, way to, to to you know to just make it grow and have more people hear uh, what what you heard today. So we would really really appreciate it if you do that. And then go finally go to our YouTube page and uh, do the same thing there. Like, subscribe, and uh, share the uh, the podcast podcast with with somebody that you know so man what pete great show what yeah. an honor to to dive back into the, the yeah. book of john it's just just an amazing an amazing book and uh, just loving our journey through this and fun can't, topic can't wait yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and uh yeah and just looking forward to the next show all right be blessed yeah take have care. an amazing week of worship Good guys week. take care this has been the riot podcast if you liked what you heard today please feel free to leave a comment and share it with your friends See you back here next week for another episode of the Riot Podcast.